There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Tarek Chowdhury is a former Fortune 100 executive, motivational speaker, inspirational leader, recovering alcoholic and addict. Former victim, lifelong student of leadership, fueled by mindset transformation and spirituality. He's also a recovery and mental health advocate. During my time with Tarek, I felt truly connected to the power of change and knowing that we all have capacity for it, whether our rock bottom forces us to or not. I hope you find yourself nodding along to the wisdom in this one. Welcome, Tarek, to The Ethical Evolution. Thanks, Penny. I appreciate you having me. Now, you're joining us uh, from Atlanta currently. Um, For those people who haven't heard of you and don't know what you do, can you go ahead and tell us? Yeah, my name is Tarek Chaudhry, and I help entrepreneurs and small business owners scale and achieve their visions through utilizing their number one resource, which is their people. Mm. Now, you've you've had a bit of a background. If we if we back up the truck a little bit, Tarek, um, tell us your story and how you got to where you are. Oh my goodness, how how quickly do you want me to answer that question? <laughs> Give us the cliff notes. <laughs> All right, the cliff notes. So I uh, I had a career in corporate America. I was in executive leadership and I was in the software industry and I was sober. And then I relapsed after eight and a half years because I had not done any work on myself. I just kept trying to work to avoid working on myself. And I burned my life to the ground in a matter of days. And I was living my absolute worst imaginable nightmare. And I was only using the tools that my diseased mind told me to use, which was self-will rooted in resentment, ego, inferiority, and ultimately self-hate. And that did not work anymore. No matter what I did, I couldn't stay sober. And it was to the point of giving up. And I called out to God for the first time in my life. And I quite literally said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your name is, but I beg you to save my life. And God revealed himself to me that very night and changed the course and the direction of my life forever. And it took a lot more suffering because of my self-will run riot and my inability to truly submit and surrender. 
And finally, I, I called out to God again a couple years later. And this time I asked him to end my life and take it. And he took control of it. And I went to rehab and I joined Alcoholics Anonymous. And I willingly studied the Bible every day. And then I decided that I was going to continue down the path of healing instead of going back to my career. I lived in a little cabin in the woods in the Appalachian Mountains with my Siberian Husky. All I did was trauma therapy in varying modalities and read the Bible and develop my own relationship with God and connect and engage with nature and community and go to several AA meetings a day. And I lived one full year of my life that way. Mm -hmm. And it was through my conscious contact with God and my desire to align my life with a greater purpose that division was made clear to me. And I made the decision in faith-based action instead of fear-based thinking to leave my career behind. And everyone thought I was insane. You know, I was uh, I was a seven-figure-a-year income maker in Fortune 100 industry, and I achieved more than most will. And to walk away from it and start over after 15 years, people thought I'd lost my mind. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, I gained clarity for the first time in my life because no amount of money, no amount of respect made me happy. Mm. If I was happy, why would I have relapsed? Why would I have burned my life to the ground? And um, I had spent my entire life trying to fill a God-sized void with everything but God. Mm. And now I live in abundance of mindset. Nothing on the outside impacts what's on the inside. So no matter what happens, I have abundance inside of me. I have faith. I have a relationship. I have self-love. I have self-respect. I have the beautiful relationships in my life outside of my relationship with myself and God, beautiful relationship with my children. And uh, I'm a very blessed and fortunate and transformed man. So I know that was long winded, but those are the cliff notes. It's amazing to see how far you've come, Um, you know, and uh, what you what you didn't mention there as well. You had a a pretty rough childhood as well. Um, Quite traumatic. Um, You actually saw your dad die, didn't you? I didn't see him die. Well, yes, I did, actually. But the first traumatic experience was watching him get stabbed Mm. as a young child. And uh, that was extraordinarily formative in my life. And prior to that, even, you know, I had experienced a lot of violence as a very young child. And the root emotion in me was fear. And I was paralyzed by fear from a very young age. And then witnessing my father get stabbed right in front of my eyes at the age of 11 years old, five feet in front of me. I tried to call out to him. I tried to warn him. I tried to run towards him. And I didn't make it. Mm. And it was five feet in front of me. And I told myself that I was worthless, that I let my father get stabbed, that fear stop me. And that's where a lot of my self-hate came from. 
and at this time, you know, I was getting bullied in school every day. I did not know where I fit in in the world. My father was a devout Muslim. My mother was a devout Catholic. Um, two conflicting religions, an identity crisis. And I really had a lot of self-hate. You know, it was embedded in me externally that I wasn't worthy. And my inner voice and my inner child came to believe that that was the truth. And that's how I showed up in the world, resentful of others because I resented myself. And ultimately, you know, my father did die in my arms, not that day, many, 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 many years later. My father died in my arms, which was the next most transformative experience of my life. Because then all of my hopes and dreams of that relationship every young boy dreams of with his father died when he died in my arms. Mm. And I spiraled out of control really completely out of control. My addiction was already running rampant, but it's the worst it ever was. And it was about seven months. My father died November 19th, 2011. I got sober. No, 2010. I got sober July 16th, 2011. So it was about seven or eight months. And everything I did for the rest of the course of my life was to prove him wrong, to earn his respect, to earn his love, to prove everyone else wrong, and to prove myself wrong. All my decisions were made based off of those experiences, the relationship with my father, the violence I witnessed, the violence I endured, the bullying. It was all rooted in self-hatred and a complete lack of self-respect. And I was trying to obtain that from people. Mm. You know, that's not something you can obtain. That's something you give yourself through your actions, through your choices, through your decision-making, through the way that you speak to yourself and the way you conduct yourself when no one else is there. And I, I didn't know how to do that. In a lot of situations in life, it was an immature child that was showing up versus somebody who had a lot of self-love and self-respect. And, you know, when we go through those sort of situations where, you know, we're trying to numb something, um, that pain that we're carrying with ourselves, that self-hatred, how did you break through that and start to love yourself again? Absolute desperation. Nothing worked that mm. used to work. And it all came from understanding the concept of forgiveness in the biblical sense mm. and to receive forgiveness and to ask myself for forgiveness, for not showing up for me, mm. for placing blame on everybody else for only wanting other people's love instead of giving it to myself. I had to ask my inner child, my younger self, my younger parts. I had to ask all of them for forgiveness because at the end of the day, I was the one that let us mm. all down. And when I finally accepted God's forgiveness and unconditional love for me, 
that's where I started to learn to love myself. And in order to complete that transformation, I had to forgive everybody else. Whether I wanted to or not, I needed to. Mm. Whether they deserved it or not, I had to. For two reasons. One, it's an act of self-love to forgive other people. It's, it's not an act of love towards them. It's an act of love towards yourself. Because when you hold resentment for another human being, it's as if you are pouring them a glass of poison, mm-hmm. but you're the one drinking it and expecting them to die. Yep. And so when you forgive, you're freeing yourself from negativity. And in addition to that, it was to honor my relationship with God. If, if the creator of life freely and fully forgave me for every mistake I've ever made, who am I to not forgive everybody else? Mm. If I don't, then in actuality, I have a God complex because I think my opinion matters more than God's. Mm. And so forgiveness was the root of all of my freedom, all of it, to receive it from God, to give it to myself, to ask it of myself, and then to freely give it to everybody else. And I will say, I have not felt any form of self-pity since I did that. And I was riddled with mm. self-pity because I was a victim. Mm. And I like to say now, I was both perpetrator and victim. Mm. I was both prisoner and warden. It was my own prison that I created. And I was the victim of the crime. I was the perpetrator of the crime. I was the prisoner and I was the warden. And now I... I can't, well, the last time I felt self-pity was before I learned about the practice of forgiveness. Mm. And in addition to that, Bindi, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is where I went through the actual process of looking inward at who I've been throughout every stage of my life and how I've treated myself and how I've treated people and to take responsibility. And it's really hard for any human being because we all have ego. It's extraordinarily difficult to take responsibility and to admit you were wrong, you were the problem, and it's nobody other than you. Mm. And then to finally take that responsibility and actually ask people I've wronged that I didn't even know I wronged for forgiveness. Literally going to someone and saying, Hey, I've harbored really negative emotions towards you for a very long time. And I want to apologize to you for that. Physically, I didn't do anything to them. Verbally, I didn't do anything to them, but inwardly I despise them Mm. because I despise myself. And that's very liberating. Because we also say in in our program, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm, Yep. And you must admit to yourself 
to God and to another human being the exact natures of your wrong. And who better to admit it to than the person I wronged, which is myself and that other person because of the negativity I harbored towards them. Mm-hmm. And again, that was liberating for me. As far as they were concerned, there was nothing that impacted their life negativity because of my negative emotion towards them. Mm. It didn't impact their life. It impacted mine. Mm. So forgiveness. Forgiveness is freedom. And forgiveness is a discipline that needs to be practiced daily. I couldn't agree more. Um, I know for myself, when I started my healing journey, it was one of the first things that that I embraced. And you know, we, we talk about those dark nights of the soul, which I'm sure you also had, Tarek, when you actually, you know, opened up to God and asked for help, um, that forgiveness, like if it's like this weight lifts off you, if you can truly forgive everything that's happened, um, not only for others, but for yourself and understanding that we ourselves are not only part of the problem, but we're also part of the solution. 100%. Mm. And that's something I teach a lot is more often than not, the solution lies within the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you realize you're the problem, that means the solution lies within you. Mm. You know, in life and business, it's the same, truly. And it, it's absolutely liberating. I agree with you completely. It, it transformed my entire life. Mm. Just one simple act. Nothing on the outside had to change, only everything on the inside. Mm. And when everything on the inside changes then naturally everything on the outside begins to change for the better. Absolutely. So I know you've been talking about um, Alcoholics Anonymous um, quite a bit. What keeps you sober now? My relationship with God, the community that I have and my inner circle, my faith, and the 12 steps that I live Every day, I show up as someone who consciously is aware that I have a diseased mind. And if I allow that diseased mind without checks and balances and inventories to run rampant, it's going to make decisions based in disease. Mm. And so I, I do an inventory constantly. I'm having conscious contact with God constantly. I remind myself every day that I am an alcoholic and an addict and that I alone am powerless over it. And the most important and first word in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is we. Mm -hmm. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. It's a program of we. I talk to people in the program I help people come into the program. I make Alcoholics Anonymous a part of my life. And of course, the most important, go to meetings. Mm. You know, that's it's group therapy. And I, I like to say this. Every disease in the world is supposed to be treated with some form of medication. And if you don't take your medication the disease gets worse Mm. and ultimately it can kill you. And for me, the medication against my disease of alcoholism is going to AA. 
those meetings are my daily medication. It's my daily dose of medicine against this lifelong disease that I have that wants to kill me. That's its goal. It mm. wants me dead. And I have to consciously respect the power of that disease because it's cunning, it's baffling, and it's powerful. And so it's repetitions, it's discipline, it's it's simply following a process. That's it. You know, it's not an easy program. Mm. It's the hardest thing a human being can ever go through, to be honest, because you're forced to look inward mm. and take responsibility. And the worst thing, the, the thing a human being tries to protect more than anything is ego. Mm. And you have to kill your ego to go through this program. And it's not easy by any means, but it is extraordinarily simple. And it's very simple to stay sober, really simple to stay sober. Now, my first round, I was sober for 3,010 days. I did not go to AA. I did not go to rehab. I harbored self, I channeled self-hatred. I used the power of my hatred towards myself and everyone I loved who I actually hated. I used that negativity for eight and a half years. I was consumed by it. No God in my life, no, no program of recovery, no spirituality. And so when I relapsed, Bindi, I burned my life to the ground in a matter of days, mm. days after eight and a half, eight and a quarter years of sobriety. It took days to, when I say burn my life to the ground, I was on the front page of the news. My mugshot was on the front page of the news and was viral on social media. Mm. And that's the night I called out to God. And that's the night he responded. And that's, that's the night I finally believed that God loved me. That I was lovable, that I was forgivable. And like I said before, it still took a lot of time. So I know I answer your questions really long winded, but there's so much depth to mm. how I stay sober. Mm. Uh, and, and it's a practice. It's something you got to do every single day. So if there's someone listening to us right now, Tarek, and they're struggling with their own demons in their addiction, what would you say to them right now? Give yourself the gift of love and ask for help. You're sick. You can't be the doctor if you're the patient. Mm. You have to ask for help. And that is the single greatest act of self-love any human being can give themselves is asking for help. Being mm. honest, I need help. And that's the big that's thing the with, with AA as well as community is a big part of that healing, isn't it? 100%. Mm. 100%. It's, it's a program of we. Mm. And, and another thing that we say is, the biggest AA is a God program. It is. People often hear that and it turns them off. Mm. But your concept of God should be created by you, not by mm. religion. 
And all you need is a higher power, a belief that a divine energy loves you. Mm. And when we call it a God program, your God in the beginning can be group of drunks. <laughs> your community yep. can be your higher power. Mm. Eventually you will come to your own relationship with a higher power. But think about it. A higher power is a power greater than you alone. And mm. a group of drunks who know how to stay sober. That's a higher power. Mm. Absolutely. And asking for help. That's you, you just. There's one thing to admit. It's another thing to accept. Yeah. I admitted I was an alcoholic when I was 21. I came to accept that I was powerless over it when I was 40. Wow. 39. 39. Because I thought I did have power over it because mm. I was sober for so long. I thought I had power over my disease, mm. my ego. And it's when I finally accepted after five relapses in two years that's when I finally accepted that I was powerless over it. Mm. I alone could not beat this disease. Admitting is one thing, accepting is another. Yeah. Ask for help. Absolutely. Now, I speak to hundreds of people around the world um, on various kinds of situations that they go through in life. Uh, a lot of them are a recovery-based kind of situations. Um, a lot of people who have hit their rock bottom and they've come out the other side. Um, and one of the themes that I've picked up along the way from these people is that one of the key, one of the key things to success is showing up for yourself. And that's something that you dropped there a little bit earlier, Tarek, and I think that's probably one of the most important things that any of us can do for ourselves, isn't it? It is the most important thing. Mm. The nobody, nobody on earth can give you the love that you need better than you. Mm. You know yourself better than anyone will ever know you. So to expect someone else to magically save you and change you and, and be your knight in shining armor, it's a fantasy. Mm. You have to show up for you. The day we all want to fall in love with someone. But the mistake we all make is that you have to fall in love with yourself first. Yep. You will be with you for the rest of your life. You are married to yourself for the rest of your life. You are going to be the one who shows up in all the hardship. You are going to be the one that's in charge. Yep. How are you going to show up for you if you don't love yourself? If you are not obsessively in love with you, how, how, is, how are you going to endure your life? Mm. What's your life going to look like? You'll never have enough. Your life will be scarcity indefinitely. 
when you are enough for you, when you enjoy your time in solitude with you, you live in abundance. Mm. Nothing on the outside will give you abundance. I'm living proof. Yeah. I, I had most people's dreams and I was a miserable human being. Mm. I, I have love. I have forgiveness. That's the most powerful propellant in the world. I don't live in fear. I act in faith. I don't live alone. I don't talk to myself anymore. I talk to God. And that's a great act of love because I'm giving it. I'm not consuming it. I'm giving it. I'm asking for help. I'm receiving guidance. Mm. And that is powerful beyond measure. And look, Mindy, I've done every form of therapy, almost every form of therapy in the world. Hypnotherapy, craniosacral therapy, somatic work, EMDR, um, talk therapy, acupuncture, mindfulness, uh, neurofeedback, almost every kind of therapy there is. I am diagnosed bipolar 2 manic depression, severe general anxiety disorder, and chronic PTSD. I have not had a panic attack or an anxiety attack or a need for any form of medication since I started turning over to God. Wow. If I feel negative emotion, I immediately talk to God. I don't sort it out in here. I've learned I am an addict. Mm. And so my addict mind tells my addict mind that my addict mind can heal my addict mind. Mm. That's insanity. <laughs> it's insanity. Mm. And so I give it to God. It, it saved my relationship with God. It's it, calling out to God. And him responding when I called out when I was already in hell on earth. When he showed up there, just the day my life changed forever. Mm. Forever. And I've never been alone since. Mm. So tell us. I've never been alone since. What what does life look like for you today? Like we were just chatting off air before that you're – um, at a, a motivational conference at the moment, um, what what does every day look for you look like for you now? I serve God every day. Every day, I have an opportunity to glorify His love, His grace, His forgiveness, His power. Every day, I do it. I just did it with my Uber driver. I sat in the car with him for an extra hour and a half. Wow! And I just testify. I testify my truth. I found the beautiful joy of my suffering. I don't look at, back at my life and feel self-pity. Mm. I look back at my life and I feel gratitude because every single thing I have experienced has shaped the perspective I have today. And it's a perspective that transforms so many people's lives. And so whatever God calls me to do, that's what I do. Because I'm constantly 
looking for him. And so I testify and I don't testify about religion. I'm, I'm not a minister. I'm not a preacher and I'm not religious. Religion is for people for, who fear hell. Mm. Faith and spirituality are for people who have been to hell. Yes. My relationship with God was created through me. Mm. What the Bible said to me was God's word to me. How I live my life is based off of my relationship with God. And I've taken all the experience that he's given me and guided me to. Giving me the gift of leadership, the gift of perseverance, the gift of influence, the gift of abundance, the gift of clarity. And I've combined all of that into serving him. I am a kingdom builder. I only work with entrepreneurs and small business owners who have a desire to take the increase in the profits from our work together to improve the lives of their employees, to improve the lives of their communities, and to improve the lives of the disadvantaged. And if you don't align with those values, I'm not interested in working with you. Mm. I build relationships with people who are on the same path and journey. And ultimately, every single day, I live with the purpose of making mass impact. And that's the name of my program, is Mass Impact. I want to build God's kingdom. I want to build wealth in his kingdom. And that has to come from creating a mindset of wealth in people who don't love themselves or don't believe in themselves or live in fear. And I, every day looks different for me. You know, three days ago, I wasn't going to be here. Mm. God put an opportunity in front of me and I have to do it. So now here I am. And my life is beautiful. I, I, I answer to no one but myself and God. Absolutely love it. And, you know, I love that you work with those kind of people because, you know, that's kind of the mission behind this show as well is that, you know, I, I get approached by so many people who want to be on this show, particularly those people who make a lot of money. And I'm like, that's great, but what are you doing with it? You know, like... You can, exactly. you can make millions of dollars, but what is the impact you are making with that? Like if it's to Amen. go buy Amen. a sports car or a fancy house or whatever it is, great, but that's not the story I want to tell. The story I want to tell is Amen. how we create wealth to make change. That is it. Amen. Yeah. So you're on the exact that's, same that mission. That is freedom. Yeah. That is freedom, Bindi. Mm. When... You don't make your choices in life based off how much money you do or don't have. And you are guided by God and you have faith in God. You don't make decisions in scarcity or fear. You make decisions in faith and abundance. And that is what can catapult somebody to stratospheric success that they never imagined. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I try to instill in both the entrepreneur, the business owner, and the individual is build a plan that's so big that you can give away 90% of your wealth to God's kingdom. And with the 10% you have left, you can still live better 
than 99% of people ever will. Mm. Believe that God's will for your life is so big and so profound that you think bigger and bigger than you ever have. But it's not about taking. It's about giving. What do what gift did God give me? That's a gift I can give to hundreds of millions, billions, every human being on earth. Think that way. Think about what gift you've been given that God wants you to give to other people. That's why he gave you a gift, not to keep it for yourself, mm. not, not, not for you to, to live this amazing materialistic life where you keep everything to you. He gave you a gift so you can give it to everybody else and build his kingdom. So I get, I get very fired up. About <laughs> I love it. I absolutely person. love it. <laughs> Guys, if you can't see him right now, he's pumped. He's pumped. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, now, Tarek, um, I, if people are as excited as I am about um, your mission and what you do, where can they go to find out more? Uh, Instagram, TikTok, my website, and soon they can get my book on Amazon. So my Instagram is uh, my first name underscore last name, which is T-A-R-E-K underscore C-H-A-U-D-H-A-R-Y. And uh, my TikTok is um, Mass Impact. And my YouTube is Tarek underscore Chaudhry. And the book is called Unafraid, mm. a, a guide on how to go from fear-based thinking into faith-based action in life, leadership, and business. Oh, my God. I can't wait to read that. <laughs> it'll, it'll be out in about uh, 30 or 45 days. Amazing. And if, if anyone is... is interested in connecting they can just dm me and put the name of your podcast mm. in the dm so i know what it's, it's in reference to and uh i'm putting out daily content i made a commitment and so i just started down my social media journey um a month ago and i made the commitment that i'm putting daily content out and it's it's about everything we talk about i hide mm. nothing yeah i keep nothing to myself I proclaim all the truth I feel no shame because my story is the story of millions of people who are too afraid or think they're alone or think no one else has made the mistakes they've made or no one else can relate to them I put it all out there so everyone knows someone else has lived your story you are not alone absolutely love it now I got the last big question for you what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life The biggest change I want to see in the world is people's understanding of true love. Mm. And people's understanding that suffering is a part of love. And if you are not willing to suffer for love, then you are actually not willing to love. Mm. God chose the thing he loved more than anything in all of his creation to suffer more than any human being ever would. 
And Jesus Christ willingly chose to suffer for us because of how much he loved us and how much good he knew was in us, but that we were incapable of living up to. And so to think that the world revolves around you, which we all do, mm-hmm. we are all self-centered human beings. That's how it's in our DNA. But to think your inconvenience or your need that was not met is bigger than the creation of everything. Give, learn what true love is and give it to everyone around you. Mm. I would love to see Jesus make a comeback. More people testifying, more people living in the image that he made for us, more people listening to God. Like I literally called out to God, Googled the time on the TV because I heard a voice in my stomach. And that Bible verse saved my life. I called out. He answered. It's right here. Matthew 10, 26. Wow. And the first word he ever said to me was, do not be afraid. Mm. When my whole life I lived in fear. And then the last part of what he said was, what I tell you, proclaim from the roof and shout in the day. He said, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Go and testify. And that's what I do every single day. Proverbs 16.3. Put God at the center of all you do and all you do shall prosper. I've dedicated my life to executing God's will. And if more people sought God, not religion, just called out, what's the worst thing that can happen Mm. if from the depth of your heart, you just called out that man's name? Jesus, are you there? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You don't have to tell anyone you did it. But if it's true inside of you, just do it and see what happens to your life. If you keep calling his name. You keep that contact open. You start studying some of his story and you learn a little bit about him. Your life is only going to get better. Even if you choose not to believe that he is the light, he is the way. Just studying him alone and modeling him and the story of him will change your life. We all have to be followers of a great leader to change the world. Mm-hmm. Every great leader is led by values, beliefs, and ethics. Who is the one that taught it to them? The greatest leader in the world is Jesus Christ. And to model him in your leadership, the world will change. Mm. Plain and simple. And so that's, I'm doing my part. Mass impact. I want to impact the people of his kingdom as much as possible to believe in themselves because he believes in them and to go and execute the mission that he created for them in this life. My life was saved and transformed. I hated God. Mm. I rejected him. I detested him. 
And at the gates of hell, I dropped my knees and I called out and I said, I don't know what your name is. I don't know who you are, but save me. And he did. He didn't just save me. He recreated me. He gave me freedom that I never knew. Don't pursue religion. Pursue a relationship. I beg you, just build your own relationship mm. and go from there. So I'm, you, I'm fired up for the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, bitch. I got you worked up, Tarek. Listen, I have loved every second with you. Thank you so much for being a part of the ethical evolution. Thank you, Bindi. God bless you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to testify and share my story. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's growing every day with great content and highlights you may not have heard on the podcast. In addition, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple and why not leave a five-star review? If you're not following me on social media, you can find me at Ethical Change Agency on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and YouTube and at DJ Bindi on TikTok and Instagram. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for The The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour.